welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Do you realize that um, this is not the first time our world has seen this type of activity? The days of Noah, Sodom and Gomorrah. And God always finds a voice to try to bring hope in the midst of a situation. It is never effective to go against people. It's always effective to love people. And I would also say that as a nation, more than ever, we need to start clinging on to the truth that is found in God's word. Otherwise, talking about not being anchored, we have a country that is not anchored. We are going all over the map, trying to make decisions on what is good and right based on the emotion or based on humanity as opposed to basing it on what the Word of God says. I'm not going to belabor this, but I do want to know that, um, that it does affect us, but it shouldn't cause us to retreat And it shouldn't cause us to get angry, but it should cause us to go to our knees. So I just want to bring that to your attention today to know and as an encouragement that that we are at a critical time in our nation and we need more than ever those who are followers of Jesus Christ to be true followers of him and to stand for righteousness for sure, but do it in the grace and love that Jesus Christ has demonstrated for us. Well, we are on week number three of of the series called Anchored. In other words, how do we anchor ourselves? And again, it's no greater time to go through this series than looking around us. But you know, even in our personal lives, how do we anchor ourselves so we're just not taken over by our own emotions or by our own feelings or by our own circumstances? Are we ever like on this roller coaster of life? And what's going to be the thing that keeps us steady and keeps us in the right place. Well, I had the privilege of uh, conducting a wedding yesterday. It was a beautiful wedding. I love Christian weddings. There's just something so special when Christ is in the center of a marriage. And it was a great opportunity to to celebrate with them. But with any weddings, you know, it is a time to have fun. It's time to celebrate. And depending on what family backgrounds are, there might be you know, well, actually, I'll tell you what it was. They had some, some wine there, and it was, it was an amazing party. And, and unfortunately, they ran out, though. So I saw a bunch of water bottles um, over <laughs> along the side, and it didn't quite happen for me like it happened for Jesus. But I thought I'd try. Aren't we supposed to do like what Jesus does, turn the water into wine? <laughs> oh, it was fun, though. You know, I, I'm, as I'm getting older, I'm a little bit more reserved. I might have been in the day, been the one in the center of the circle, you know, doing the sprinkler <laughs> or doing the fishing, you know, the moves or the lawnmower. You know, that's right. But anyways, uh, Pastor Mike uh, was there as well. They were the mentoring, uh, and Kristen, they were mentoring the couple in the pre-marriage. And so we had a lot of fun. But you know, in, in a wedding situation, you know, everybody's dressed to the hilt. Everybody's trying to look so beautiful. And, and I have to say that I, I caught myself. I caught myself a few times where all of a sudden 
my eyes caught something that surprised me, and I had to use the two-second rule. You know what the two-second rule is? You make sure you quickly look away in two seconds, right? You kind of feel protected if you do that. But I, I noticed that as my eyes perused the room, and again, I wasn't looking for something, but my eyes caught something in it. By the way, I was with my wife, just in case you're wondering, and I can stare at my wife all day long, though. And, uh, but anyway, so, so my eyes catch them, and I, and I noticed it's like, why did my eyes want to pause there for a moment? Now, I forced my eyes off, but at the same time, what was that in my heart that had my eyes pause? And I began to think and reflect and, and thinking about, you know, we kind of do that throughout the week. We, we find ourselves either surprised or not so surprised about something we find ourselves into. And then we come to church on Sunday and we kind of feel, man, have, have I, am I good enough to be here? After all, I just confess to you, and wow, he's a pastor? Okay, stop judging me. Some of you are looking at me, and you're judging me already. I don't judge you. Don't judge me. But I don't know what you've done this week, where you've been, where your eyes have been, what's gone on in your mind. But I do know that you're here, and I do know that sometimes when We have done things during the week, and then all of a sudden we show up on Sunday. We have this awkward feeling like somehow either I'm a hypocrite or somehow God is not pleased with me or somehow that, you know, I'm living this two-life thing. And we kind of feel distance, and we kind of feel like, all right, do I fake it in worship even though I don't feel like it? Or, you know, all these emotions. Have you been there? Yeah, I think we, if we're truthful... We've all been there. And the reality is we're just not talking about, you know, big grandiose sins, but we all know that we have, we're human. And we have these things in our hearts sometimes that aren't completely, you know, surrendered to God or aren't completely, we have victory in. And we find ourselves in that place of wanting to chase after God, but yet then we find ourselves in the middle of some junk, but yeah, we pull ourselves to arrive on church on Sunday, and maybe you're a teenager and your parents force you to be here, and, and yet you're feeling inside like, I just want to go to sleep because that's my protective deal. We've been there. We've felt that. Today, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to show you the Word of God and how we can begin to live our life that we don't have to go through these roller coasters of like, ah, oh, man, I messed up. Well, I'm in church. All right, I feel good. Or, or you know, the, just the opposite side of that. We only feel good and right with God when we've done our Bible reading, our journaling. By the way, you guys should be journaling. It's great being in the Word of God. It's, it's food. It's nourishment for our spirit. Oh, only good if I've been coming to church regularly. Or only good if I, if I have um, done my praying for the day. So we ride the high, we have those stages, and then all of a sudden life catches up on us, and stress hits, and then, oh man, we find ourselves doing something we shouldn't, and and all of a sudden we feel low, and then we like, oh man, i got to work myself back up, and you're forever riding this roller coaster. It's like, God doesn't want us to be on the roller coaster. He wants to be with us. But we we go on these highs and lows. I I was in Ohio uh, this past week, and I was checking out one of our Foursquare campgrounds, and I had this opportunity to, to run into 
one of our supervisors that used to be in the Eastern uh, District, and he's in his mid-80s now, long retired. And I said, what would, what would you say to a young buck like me? And now I'm young compared to him. I might be old to some of you little guys, but what would you say to a young buck like me who's, who's in the middle of ministry and what would you tell me for advice? And he looked at me very square and he says, there's one thing that I've learned over all of the years. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. My wife and I were having a conversation because, by the way, we do talk about you, my wife and I. But we say, why is it that it seems like people are like up and down and when they're down, they're gone or when they're up, they're here. And like, it's like, why can't people just be faithful in the things they say they're going to do and serving and coming to church and reading God's word? And it just seems like it's so situational. Their faithfulness is so situational based on what their situation is. And it's like, but I see the wreck of their life sometimes. And by the way, <laughs> man, I've been there. But Jesus wants us to get off the roller coaster for a moment. And we'll be talking more about that next week. We're going to be talking about our soul and how our feelings aren't to be trusted. That's next week. But today we're going to help you understand of, of how it is that we can feel like we're in right relationship with God, even though we've maybe everything's not perfect in our life. And by the way, just in case you're wondering, you'll never reach perfection. We're human. If you'll turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6, this is the part of the scripture that we've been talking about, that really talking about the certainties of God's promise, where he gives us hope in an ever-changing world, how we can anchor our life how do we anchor ourselves that we are not tossed to and fro based on what happens in our life? Let's look at verse 19. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So here is where we begin to understand where our hope comes from. It's spelled out in the scripture. It says that Jesus who has gone behind the curtain, or another word for curtain is veil, has established this sure and steadfast hope that we have. Why? Well, we've got to go back. Oh, thank you. You feel like my voice is getting a little rough. You know why it is? Because I didn't have a microphone this morning. And I was like, it's a big room. I had to really project. It was fun, but maybe a little tiring on my voice. Jesus, who went behind the curtain. We, we need to understand what that is for us to find the, the key to having this life being anchored. So let's go back where we find this 
this analogy or actually this truth of what took place, we have to start back in the Old Testament. Moses, when he was wandering through the desert, God gave him some very specific instructions to build a tabernacle. In this tabernacle was a holy place, and inside the holy place was called the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies is where God, God's presence resided. After Moses, then we have also David established this tabernacle, and then after David, David's son, King David, and after David's son, Solomon, actually built a temple. And the same situation in the temple, it was out of the same concept of design. There was a holy place, but inside of the holy place was the Holy of Holies. The interesting thing about the Holy of Holies is no man could approach, because God's a holy God, no man could approach God except for once a year. It's called the Day of Atonement. Only the high priest who would go through all the ceremonial stuff could enter into the Holy of Holies. Now, the interesting thing about this, I wouldn't want to be the high priest at that moment, but basically, if you didn't do your ceremonial stuff right, you'd be unclean and you go in and you get whacked. You'd die. God's presence was, is so holy and powerful and you'd die. So what they would do is nobody wanted to take the chance. They would tie a rope around the high priest, put bells on him, and so when he would go into the Holy of Holies, as long as they hear the bells, see, he's going in and making atonement for all of the sins of all the people so they can be in right relationship with God. High priest is in there. Now, if they heard the bells start, stop jingling, they would know that he did something wrong and he's dead. So they'd have a rope on him and they'd ro- haul him out. But it's behind the curtain was God's presence. Now, one thing you need to understand about God, God's presence wasn't, God's not interested in whacking people, killing them. God established people to be in relationship with them. Remember Adam and Eve? When Adam and Eve sinned, by the way, it was God's idea for humanity. It was God's idea to create humans to be in his image, but to have relationship and fellowship with him. But Adam and Eve, when they sinned and They ate of the tree, and all of a sudden they got ashamed. They hid, but who pursued them? God pursued them. It wasn't the other way around. Adam and Eve weren't, they were trying to hide from God. They felt shame. All right, so now we're going to go back to this veil. So this veil was, at the time of Solomon, in his temple, it was about 60 feet tall as a curtain. It was embroidered with cherubim on it, and it was, had all kinds of royal colors of purples and such. And this curtain was 60 feet tall, 30 feet wide, 4 inches thick. And when Jesus went to the cross, by the way, he went to the cross for you and me. Again, it was God's plan to restore a fellowship with people. God always desired to be in fellowship with people. And when the curtain was, so when when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain in the temple was ripped in two. It blew open. What it did is it exposed now the holy of holies where God's presence was. It exposed it for all humanity to experience. 
What Jesus did for us on the cross was it gave us an all-access pass to God. How many people got a little all-access pass card? Only a few of you got it. The rest of the first service got it first. You guys got to come to church early. You got to make sure you get the good stuff. But some of you, if you got the all-access pass, through Jesus, we have an all-access pass to God. So Jesus, not only did he die on the cross, he went to the tomb, he rose again, conquered death, all that thing. But at that moment, Jesus paid the ultimate penalty. See, in Old Testament, there had to be killing of animals, washing, blood, all the ceremonial stuff. But with Jesus, it was taken care of. Now with Jesus, we have an all-access pass to our Father. Let me give you an example. Well, first of all, has anybody received an all-access pass to any concert or any kind of function, maybe a political? It's kind of cool. You kind of feel important. It's like all of a sudden you're wearing the badge, all-access pass. Go to the door. Yeah, you can't. I got the all-access. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. You can come on in. I got an all-access pass once to, uh, to Soul Fest, and um, it was fun hanging out with the artists and, and, and like, and you got to go backstage, and there was basically no limits to where you could go. You could have access to the artists. You could have access to the guy who puts on Soul Fest. You could have access to backstage. You had all access. But why we, I had all access was because I had the pass that gave me all access. With Jesus, we have an all-access pass to God. This is why it is so important that we understand what Jesus has done for us. Now you're saying, well, okay, I get that. I get the Jesus thing. We've talked about that. I've gone to church for a while. How does that help me kind of not ride this roller coaster of life? Well, it really has to understand our relationship that God wants to have with us. So we have an all-access pass with God. Okay, we, we get that. So we want to be in a relationship with God. But how come I still feel so eh, sometimes when I do the wrong thing? How come when I come into church, I feel like, oh, I mean, I don't want to be here. But I, I know I should. You have to come back to understanding God's heart for us and the relationship that he has with us. So if we've given our life to Jesus, we're in relationship with God. We have access to God. But there's two aspects of this. There's a relationship with God, and then there's fellowship with God. Let me explain it to you this way. So when I have, I've got three beautiful kids, and I will always know when one of my kids has done something wrong. You know how? They're very quiet. They kind of go off by themselves. They don't like to communicate a whole lot. At that point, Tom is like, all right, what have you done? <laughs> you know, confession time. But I'm pursuing my kids. My kids have chosen to separate themselves out of fellowship, but my relationship to them has not changed. I am still their father. They're still my children. Nothing that anybody can do will ever change that relationship. But that my fellowship with them can be broken. If they've done something, broken something in the house, and they don't want to tell me, that fellowship is broken until they turn and say, Dad, I, I'm sorry. I broke Mom's really expensive vase. I'm sorry. And all of a sudden, the fellowship is restored because of that confession. 
Now, I never once was like, oh, stupid kid, get away from me. No, it was like, I'm pursuing them. I understand that there's something inside them that's preventing us to have fellowship. So I pursue them to try to draw out of them. It's the same way with our relationship with God. We do something wrong, and, and, and sometimes it takes us right out of the game, and, and we start getting down on ourselves. We start listening to the lies, and all of a sudden, then we, then we say, oh, i got to muster up enough courage to get back in the Bible, and, and I, oh, i got to be faithful to go back to church, and all right, we're back up on here, and then all of a sudden, I sin, or I do something crazy, I'm tracking back down. Now, how, how do we live this more consistent life, just faithful, faithful? It starts by our understanding this this relationship and fellowship that God wants to have with us. You see, just uh, trying to live a moral life will be exhausting, and you can't live a good enough life. You can't live a moral enough life. It's why we need Jesus. When we understand that Jesus has went behind the curtain, he gives us an all-access pass. So when God looks at us, he sees what Jesus has done for us. We're perfect in God's eyes. Now, God knows that when we do wrong things that are against the word of God, it will create separation. It will break some fellowship. That's why he gives us instructions. He knows what it's going to take for us to have a full life, a successful life. But we start doing things in our own selfish ways, and we start doing things in our own desires It breaks that fellowship, but God is always wanting us to come back. But to avoid the ups and downs in life, we just got to be consistent, pressing into who Jesus is and understanding that he has a plan for us and that he has a way for us, not to live just a moral life, but to understand who Jesus is and the life that he's given us through him. So some will say, well, okay, well, if it doesn't really matter, God just sees me as perfect. Well, should I just go on and just sin? I'll just be careless. I'll do whatever I want. Live it up. Party it up. In Romans chapter 6, it talks about that. I'm not going to read that chapter, but write that down. This is good homework for you this week. Romans chapter 6. It goes on to say, well, should you go on sinning? If grace is there, should you go keep on sinning? And it says, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Instead, you should understand your own sin for sure. Acknowledge it. Repent. But know that you're never going to be good enough. That's why we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who went behind the curtain. See, that's the key. We got to anchor ourselves to Jesus He is the hope. He is the one who will make our path straight. We can't just go off of our emotion. We can't just go off of our feelings. We've got to lock ourselves into a relationship with Jesus that will give us an all-access pass to our Father in heaven. To our Father in heaven. Hebrews chapter 10 speaks of this a little bit more. 19, verse 19 through 22, it says this.
There is not, oh, that's why I'm in 2 Corinthians. Let's go to Hebrews. It's going to say there is no 19 in chapter 10 there. It says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have this great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed pure with water. See, that's what Jesus does for us. That's why we've got to anchor ourselves to him. Somebody said to me at the end of uh, first service, well, well, okay, it's great that we say we're anchoring ourselves to Jesus. How do we do that? Man, the best way I know how to anchor ourselves to Jesus is being his word. He is the word. Jesus is the word. We need to spend time daily in the word of God. That's why we do this thing called journaling. If you don't have a journal, there's, they're for sale uh, just to cover our cost at the info hub. Tells us what to read that particular day. It gives us a method of applying God's word to our life. You see, it's kind of like this. There's an incredible party going on. And we knock at the door and the person says, well, hey, hey, do you, do you have access to come in here? Do you have permission to come in here? Well, I heard there's a great party. Well, do you have access to come into this amazing party? And you're going to flash your little Jesus all access card and says, I've got Jesus. He says, okay, you got Jesus. Come on in. Come on in. You have full access to everything in the Father's house. You have full access to the Father. Jesus, God's Son, allows us to become heirs, sons and daughters of the Most High. And he says, I give you permission. Through me, you have full access, all access to my Father and to my Father's house. Is that good news? That's good news. I really, really, really want us to get free from juggling the balls of trying to manage life, manage our sin, manage our work, manage our, you know, ups and downs, managing, managing, managing. No, God wants us to be free. He wants us to be free. I was praying. Sounds so spiritual when I say I was praying. In reality, I was just kind of talking to God. I mean, it's like, so I wasn't down on my knees or anything. I was just like contemplating. That's my prayer. I was like, God, what do, you, what do you have for this message? I just don't, by the way, come up with what I think is some good words, and I, I hope this relates to people. I literally want what God wants for us here. To know that today the words that I'll have spoken were words from heaven for us. So as I was contemplating, God, what, where do you want me to land on this one? God says there's like three, three groups. The first group is those who are here who didn't know that they can have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. In other words, they've never given their life to Jesus. And if that's you today, I just want you simply, this is, you've just kind of heard 
This message of Jesus gives us access to the Father. If this is you, you want to have access to your Father in heaven, to God. That He takes care of you. He doesn't see your sin anymore. That you can be in His presence. If that's you, you want to know Jesus, raise up your hand. Raise up your hand this morning. Thank you. You put it down. Anybody else? Thank you. Got it. Jesus, for the people who raised their hand, I celebrate. And for those people, you just say this, Jesus, I need you in my life. I'm not good enough. And by the way, we're all not good enough. What makes us good is Jesus. Jesus, we receive you. We make you Lord of our life. Thank you for taking care of my sin that I can have a right relationship with my Father in heaven. I can be in his presence. And he sees me as righteous, as good, pleasing. Thank you, Jesus. The next group is our people who are, man, they're just like, ah, oh, got this, keep going this roller coaster. They got junk in their life. Comes and goes, this junk, but, but you're kind of keeping it hidden so you can kind of manage it. You're trying to manage your stuff. God is just saying the best way to manage this is to try not to manage it. It's to confess it. There's liberty. There's freedom when you confess it. You find a trusted brother, sister, friend, or whatever to say, hey, you know what? I got this junk. And by the way, we all have junk. I'm tired of carrying this. Repentance, though, is not just a one-time prayer. Repentance is turning and going the other direction. I'm choosing to leave this way that I'm living, and I'm going to go this way. And he sets you free. The third group is, is this. And I want to prepare you because... Some of you are going to be challenged with a decision that I'm going to ask you right now. Some of you are walking in a place of addiction. I'm not talking, I don't know what your mind goes to when we say addiction. Maybe you think it's, it goes directly to drugs, alcohol, junk on the internet. But I'm talking about, it could be the simplest thing as food, a relationship, Facebook, working too hard, being out of balance in life. But this addiction is keeping you from living a full life that God has intended for you. And can I tell you something? There's no judgment on you at all. Because I know each one of you never intended to get addicted. Nobody walks into these things with the intention of, oh, sign me up for an addiction, please. <laughs> no, it just happens over time and it becomes a crutch. It becomes a coping mechanism. It just becomes a part of your life. But yet, you know, it doesn't keep you free. It is a, it's binding you. It's holding you. 
And it plays with your mind. And so you come to church and then you live a different way during the week and you're on this crazy roller coaster and, and it brings such condemnation on you. And if you're a follower of Jesus, know this. There is no condemnation. Nobody's condemning you for those who are in Christ Jesus. But Jesus says, I've come to set the captives free. Today, I truly believe there's a special time. I'm going to use a religious word because it's the only word that comes to my mind when I was praying for this yesterday. There is a special anointing for today to set people free from addiction. And I want you to respond because if you don't respond, you stay bound. And Jesus and your Father in heaven cares about your freedom. If that's you and you feel like the Holy Spirit, by the way, Jesus is not here right now. God's not here right now. Technically they are, the Trinity, but the Holy Spirit is here right now. The Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart. And again, I don't, nobody's going to be thinking about, oh, what are they addicted to? The reality is we all have things in our life. But you know if this is who God is speaking to this morning. I don't want you to miss out. If you feel like you have a vice in your life that's somehow keeping you not living completely free, would you just come to the front right now? Come to the front right now. Come to the front right now. This is your day to get free. This is your day to get free. Just stand right up here, right along the front right here. I'm going to have some of our pastoral staff, elders, we're going to have some anointing oil. I think I have some right underneath that seat, Mike. We're going to anoint you with oil. The Bible talks about when there's this, this healing that takes place through anointing oil. Here, Mike, you can just go down the line with this. I'm going to pray over you. I'm also going to lay my hands on you if you're okay with that. If you're not, I'm just going to touch your forehead. There's no, nothing about it. I'm just going to touch your forehead. If you're not okay with that, just like, hey, I'm good. And, and I want to pray for you because today is your day of freedom. I truly believe that. So, Father, I just thank you for freedom. Father, I thank you for freedom. Lord, you've set the captives free. And, Father, you are in the process of breaking every chain, every bondage, Father, everything that has a grip on our life that keeps us from fully living the way you want us to live. Father, I just thank you so much for those who have responded to you. Today is their day of victory. Today is their day of new life. Father, they have already come to the place of knowing you, but they need to walk in greater freedom and greater victory. 
Father, I thank you for them. For those of you who are still here, just staying up here, just take this moment. If you take your palms and just put them up, as we continue to anoint you, nobody leave without us anointing you with oil. There's something very powerful about the confession of your mouth. And so I want you to repeat after me. Holy Spirit, come fill me. Fill me with greater power to overcome the vices in my life. I've been set free because of Jesus Christ. Fill me from my head to my toes with your presence. I will not listen to any lies of the enemy. I will fill my mind with your truth from your word. Now, just a second, you, you, you said these words. I will fill my mind with a life from your word. That means you need to be reading the word. You need to determine today, those of you who are here and all of us, to be faithful to read God's word. It's his word that renews our mind because what happens with old habits is so easy to just to kind of fall back into them. But I truly believe this is not going to have to be your effort or your work. This is a supernatural thing that God is going to break you that you will not have any desires anymore. And when the moment comes where you feel like there's a desire coming, you say, that's a lie. That's a lie. Because the word says, he who has set been set free is free indeed and Jesus has set you free can we just give him a clap give the Lord a clap he set people free thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast if you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially please visit us online at gccnh.com